Hey, what's going on, everybody? So we got a fantastic episode today for you. Now, before we get into it, we are doing a member spotlight this time, and our athlete spotlight is going to be Heather Munsterman. This is an amazing story. Um, there's a lot going on in here that is just going to put you on your heels for a second and give you an opportunity to look at your life and recognize the blessings that we walk around with every day that we kind of we usually don't put a lot of stock into. Um, before we get into the actual interview, I'm going to play something for you. There was an event that happened in Heather's life that was so profound that it forever changed the course of her life. And it is one of those miracle stories that you, you don't hear too often because most people don't come out of this, um, and live to tell about it. So let me go ahead and play something first. This is going to be, so Heather was a law enforcement professional and, on a routine traffic stop, uh, she ended up encountering this event that changed everything for her. Now, I'm going to play the actual 911 call, and as you hear this going, you're going to hear Heather first, okay? So Heather is 126, all right? So that is that is her speaking into the dispatch. So once we go ahead and get this started, this is going to last about a minute. I'll go ahead and interject here in a second just if there's any narration that's needed, but let's go ahead and cut to this. 126, copy traffic stop. Centerville, Liberia. It's going to be on a Virginia temp tag. Zero eight two one. It's going to be on a black Lexus. Back to back one time. You can change my location to Phoenix and Okay, so go ahead and pause it there. So we're thirty seconds in. So as soon as this thing happens. We're 30 seconds into the call, and at this time, this is when Heather would get out of her car, and she would go and she would engage uh, the person that she just pulled over, right? So we'll go ahead and we'll pick it up right there, but we're only 30 seconds into her stop. All right. So 30 seconds in, um, because Heather had not responded back um, the time that they were looking for, they had already sent someone as backup to come and check out what was going on. So that's where we are right now. So they're just, they just went and said who was the closest location to go ahead and get them back to Heather's site. Police officer Fish on a uh, Manassas radio. You copy? Go ahead with your traffic, sir. 
Negative, sir. I'm at the scene right in front of the IHOP here with the officer struck by the vehicle. Make sure you have uh, medical assistance on the way, too. That's direct. We've already dispatched fire and rescue. 13, are you direct on that traffic? I'm direct. In route. All right, so the way that played out very shortly after the stop, Heather had gotten out of the car, and she had been struck, and she'd been struck so significantly that uh, she was unable to even call in for help herself. Um, a passerby that happened to be in law enforcement as well, and they had already had other units heading into her direction. And based on the discretion of the passerby, that Capitol Police voice that you heard, they ended up having to send in a medevac. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and pick up from here. This is uh, we're going to introduce Heather, and we're going to get into the member spotlight. But I wanted you guys to hear the base of her story, and it's pretty remarkable. So hope you guys enjoy this one. All right, so we got a. We're into the member spotlight episode this time. We haven't uh, we haven't done one in a while, and we've been holding out for a while, hoping that this member spotlight would pick a time that would work with us. And finally, we were <laughs> we made it happen. So I'm super excited to announce Heather Munsterman. How you doing, Heather? Hi guys, how's it going? Hey, there she is. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit today because you've got one of the most interesting backstories, um, one of the most. Um, inspiring rocky stories i mean there's just a whole lot that goes to uh who you are as a person and what you have overcome and we're just gonna kind of brag about you a little bit because it's it's pretty pretty cool story wow i really appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) so lots of good things are gonna come out now first off a little bit about you um where are you from originally Uh, originally i'm from california and then uh, we lived in iceland for a couple of years and then we moved to virginia you actually look like an Iceland person. Yeah. I know. <laughs> California makes sense, too. The when, white skin does it. <laughs> when, when did you move here from Iceland? So California, Iceland, mm-hmm. then here. Yeah. So I was in California until I was about eight years old. Then we came here briefly because my father's in the military. He's a captain in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came here briefly for about a year, and then we put our house uh, for rental, and then we moved up to Iceland. He was a captain in Iceland for about two and a half, three years, and that was uh, around ni- 1993. And then we moved, okay. moved here to Virginia. And how old were you when you came to Virginia? Thir- Originally, I was eight. And then uh, back, I was like 13. 13 when you came back from Iceland? Yep. Okay, awesome. Now, so you went to high school here. Mm-hmm. And what was your first job here? What did you do for work? Wow, my first job, my first real job. Sure. My first real job was uh, um, doing like pony rides. <laughs> like Explains the animal <laughs> thing. Yeah, an animal thing, right. Okay. Yep. And where did yep. you do that at? Uh, in Aldi. And then um, I was a receptionist at a medical facility, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then I became like a service writer over at uh, Fairfax Honda. Wow, that's pretty diverse. Yeah, I and, know. And um, so everyone's got those childhood jobs where you're like somewhat like embarrassed. But yep. uh, <laughs> my, my big one is I um I was working at a grocery store, so I was a, a bag boy. But then ended up making pizzas before I went in the military. And I think I <laughs> ate more stuff making pizza, pizza. than. <laughs> but, you know, you, you look at somebody and you really never know where but they've come from and the experiences they have. That's right. But that's, that's pretty good. Now, when did you end up being law enforcement? So Fairfax Honda kept trying to recruit me and um, to get me to stay longer. And my passion was always law enforcement. So I just kept putting in my application to every agency I possibly could. Because I didn't want to put all my eggs in one one agency, so I yeah. just put them everywhere. And um, Manassas City was the first one to pick me up, and that was um, back in 2004. Wow, so it was almost uh, 16 years ago. Yeah, so I was, about, uh, I was about 23, 24 years old. When you went in the academy? Yes. And when did you 
And how long were you in law enforcement before you had to leave it? About 14 years. So that's a long time. I think I thought initially that you were had just kind of started out, but you were pretty senior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got the uh, canine position in 2008 with them. I was the first female hired as a police canine. Okay, so 14 years here locally in, in Manassas City. Yeah, I had no idea you were actually there that long. How much of your family is still here? All of them but my brother. Okay. Um, my mother and my father are originally from Chicago. They met uh, and got married in Chicago. And then because my father's in the military, yep. we moved around a lot. Okay, and your parents are still here? Uh, my mother passed away, but my father is, yes. And when did your mom pass? About 10 years ago. Okay. Now, you have a sister here. I do. I got two. And were th- did they pursue law enforcement, or is that just you? No, just me. And where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> so I just have a, a real big passion to help people. Um, even, um, like, I wouldn't always write tickets. I, I did a lot of, um, you know, lecturing when I pulled people over. Uh, and I also did it when I would arrest them, like on, on the way to jail. Oh, God, you'd lecture them? Oh, I did. I'd be like, you know, you should really find God. <laughs> like, oh, good I Lord. Would. So you're one of those cops. I I'm was. Like, I, I would put it my, out there. <laughs> just give me my ticket. I mean, it, the last thing I want is that someone come down on me. Just write me a ticket. I'm going to pay for the court, and I have to go to court, and now you're going to give me your, your earful, too. I would give them the lecture and then not write them the ticket or give them a ticket and no lecture. But a lot of times after I arrested people, they always thanked me. They're always like, thank you. Thank you for what you do. I really wow. appreciate you. Like, I would always hit a nerve with them or talk to them and be like, why did you do this? What is going on in your life that is so terrible? Wow. You know, and we would have a conversation on the way to jail. And while we're there, and I always <laughs> showed them the utmost respect. As long as they gave it to me, I'd always give it back. Well, you, won't, you don't want somebody stalking you outside of the department. So, so I no. guess you got to be on the up and up. No. But <laughs> when I was in the hospital, we'll get to that later. But when I, when I was there, you wouldn't believe how many cards I got from people I had arrested. <laughs> yeah, even gang members that just sent me a message just being like, hey, you were one of the good ones. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Um, funny story. Uh, did you ever hear anything about my brother-in-law? I'm not going to say names or where. No. So I have a brother-in-law that was a, well, ex-brother-in-law that was in law enforcement. And the stories that what that dude would do, he didn't lecture people, but he, how do I say this? He would make them sing songs when he played guitar. And he <laughs> would... <laughs> He would zip up people that were hammered in a body bag. Oh, no. And drop them off on their porch. You know, oh, my God. There's, there's so many stories that I've spent so much gut-wrenching time laughing at them. <laughs> and then you realize there's one side of the spectrum where um, law enforcement at one end is like, just I don't want to do a whole lot more except just kind of help people not get in trouble. And then you got the other side where you're actually a stand-up person. You're on the up and up, and you're actually trying to influence people, not just do your job. Right. But um, that's much more cop-like than what I've seen before. <laughs> I've, I've heard some stories that's like, that makes me not want to know right. what goes on. Yeah. Right. Um, now, we're going to get to the, the event. And without going into your um, story, which you have a story that you actually should be doing, you should be doing coaching or you should be doing inspirational talks or you should be in front of people actually talking to them about what it really means to struggle. Um, I think... I've always thought that you were kind of missing your opportunity and your calling because people use those situations. I've seen people standing on or, um, origin stories. That's typically in the marketing business. It's, you know, take your origin story and then get people to know you. Uh, most people's origin story, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was an abused child. You know, they've got these things and it shows the transition from struggle, uh, realization, 
growth and now I'm a leader and I'm showing people how to live a better lifestyle or whatever your pain and suffering was, you put it in front of other people and you show them how they can overcome their adversities because yours is so bad. And I don't mean you specifically, but when these people talk and they're on this speaking circuit, they're talking like, hey, I was a drug addict. Well, uh, not to take away from that. I think it's easy to be a drug addict. Right. You know, and yeah. I think... God bless you. you. You overcame it and you've got this new lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. But with your story and your origin story, you are, you could reach so many more people if you gave them just the opportunity to get to know what's going on with you. And I mean, think about the kids and the adults and the people that are going through life right now. And they're like, oh, this is so hard. I can't do it. I right. can't make it. And, you know, suicide rates are up for military. Yeah. And um, law enforcement's always under the, the gun as far as not just being above the law and doing what they're supposed to be doing, but the stress and the anxiety and That's everyone right. hates you. And Yep. And we learn to swipe things under the rug when we see things and, and just deal with, deal with it. Yeah. I think uh, for a, a long time, I didn't um, talk about it because it was too hard. I would get very emotional. Sure. And so I didn't, uh, I've, I've traveled a little bit. I go to Richmond and speak, you know, try to get no texting and driving lost pass. But, um, and I do a lot of fundraisers. Like if there's a law enforcement fundraiser and they, they ask me to come speak, I'll come and speak. But it's just now getting to the point where I don't get emotional about it. How many events, speaking events have you done? Um, I do one yearly, um, for law enforcement, and I work with the Renegade Pigs a lot. Uh, they're um, a biker, a law enforcement biker group. Um, I would say I would probably done about 12. And how many years? Five. That's pretty good. I was on the USS George Washington about two years ago, and I spoke to them before uh, the gentlemen were coming back to land just to remind them of, you know, laws and you know, wear your seatbelt and don't text That's and great. drive. So kind of like learn from me. Yeah. All right. So let's let's go ahead and let's get into actually. Now, at the beginning of the show, we played a 911 and we played the recording of what happened. Um, but let's go ahead and just in your words, what did the day look like? Um, what what events led to what happened? And then we'll get into actually what happened to you. So what, for those of you who don't know Heather's story, this, this is it's unbelievable. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say amazing because it's not. It's amazing that you have built yourself back up to where you are. That's the amazing piece. Thanks. But what has happened is horrifying. So it was uh, Saturday morning. Uh, I was usually working the night shift. I just moved out the night shift uh, probably about two or three weeks ago, and it was Saturday morning about 9 a.m. And I actually had my gym bag in the, in the car because as law enforcement, we're allowed to work out for one hour on duty. So I was going to go mark off and go work out. And, um, I decided to make it one last traffic stop before I headed that way to our law enforcement gym. And, um, the vehicle was speeding and he had just, um, turned on route 28 going towards IHOP when I initiated the traffic stop. Um, and it was right in front of IHOP 9am. And, uh, I turned to let him go with a warning, let him go with a warning. I turned to walk back to my vehicle and I got hit by a vehicle at 40 miles an hour and hit two more cars along the way. I guess I I flipped up or I don't know exactly what happened after that, but I got hit and then hit two more cars along the way. And then uh, I was out for about 30 minutes. Um, I woke up in a helicopter getting transported to Fairfax Hospital. And I kept, and I know the gentleman that was uh, like take, cutting off my clothes and and, um, strapping me down. Uh, He was uh, with, 
the fire rescue and we work really close with them. So I was like, James, what are you doing? Right. Like, stop, stop cutting off my clothes. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 Heather, you've been in a really bad accident. You know, we're, we're flying you to Fairfax. So I'm like, no, seriously, stop cutting off my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Not understanding what was happening. And then he goes, no, Heather, this is serious. You're going to Fairfax. And my, my next question was, where's my gun? Cause you, sure. you know, always wonder that. And he's like, your sergeant has it. Don't worry. So, um, get to Fairfax. Um, they had to start operating on me right away. They couldn't, um, give me any pain medication, uh, because I had a traumatic brain injury. Um, and without them, um, investigating that a little bit further, they couldn't give me any medicine because of the swelling. Mm -hmm. So they had to start operating on my leg without any medication. So I do remember laying there with the light shining down on me. Um, and, and they're, they're, they're operating on my leg and uh, I, I, they had to keep stopping because I had to lean over and throw up, I guess. Because you were awake for this whole thing. Yes. All right. So let me, let me back up. So you initiated the stop. You talked to the guy, you turned around and head back to the car. Mm -hmm. Did you see the car hit you? No. Um, were you over the line? Were you behind the line? So the actual right side. Mm -hmm. So you got the yellow line over there mm -hmm. where you pulled over and on the far side of that yellow line. I was. <coughs> yep. And my, my vehicle was um, canted out. The wheels were canted out. So you had a buffer of space where you should have been protected yes. between the back of your car and the, the guy you pulled over. That's correct. Now, the, the big thing here is that the guy that hit you yep. was texting. That's correct. Now, was this a full-on, you got hit with the front of his car, the side of his car? So what it's happened? actually a miracle how, how this all played out. Um, if it were a millisecond, a millis that the investigators say if it was a millisecond sooner, he would have uh, pinned me between the vehicle, and I would have lost both my legs. Um, but the way he hit it, he hit actually the vehicle first, the vehicle I had stopped first, and then bounced off of that and then hit me. So he missed the, the cop, he missed the patrol car altogether. Yes. And came in so wide. That's correct. That he went right for the guy that was yep. in. Okay. So you bounced off the fender, the front of the car. The front of the car. And was there traffic at the time? Yes. So it you was got. 9 a.m. traffic. You got knocked forward. How far did you go before you hit contact with the next thing? I'm not sure. I don't think very far. I think it was just like bam, bam. So. Because I was in the turn lane, he came over, yeah. hit me, I bounced off, and then may have hit the, another oncoming vehicle. Do you know how far from the accident you ended up? How mm. far from the actual impact where they found you? I don't, but it, when I look at the crime scene photos, um, it seems like my body was actually more towards the um, Phoenix Drive. Yeah, which that's is, pretty far down. Which is, uh, you know, 10 so feet. Yeah. Okay, so... Now the guy that hit you stopped. Yeah, he did stop. Uh, civilians like surrounded his vehicle so that he would he wouldn't leave either or didn't have an option to second guess himself. Okay, so from there, medevaced, they grabbed you, they took you to the hospital, and they started the process. Yeah. Um, they because of your TBI, they couldn't do anything with medication, so now they're operating on your leg. What happened to your leg? Yeah. Um, well, that was the point of impact, I guess, was on my leg or where. I guess his maybe his side mirror at some point sliced my leg open, so I'm missing about a quarter of my quad right here. So they didn't put anything in it. They just started to make sure I wouldn't continue bleeding or yeah. losing too much blood. They started operating on it, just sewing it up. So I have a big indentation on my um, my right leg. Now, did you fracture your hip too? I did. So and yeah, my pelvis. Yeah, my hips. Mm -hmm. Now, what else as far as physical damage? Not not counting the the TBI, but what else broke? All my ribs. All my ribs were fractured. Both shoulders were dislocated, relocated. 
uh, I fractured my jaw, and I didn't even find out about fracturing my jaw until about a month later when I started weaning off the medication. I was like, you know what? My jaw really hurts. But I was on so much medication, I didn't actually know what hurt and what didn't hurt. Oh, my God. Um, I had um, my back, my L, what is it, L4, L5, S1, and then my tailbone, and then um, my ankle was all shattered. They had to do cadaver and and my ankle, a couple operations. How many bones in all were broke? I think about 22. Awesome. Um, What about the damage to your head? What happened there? So um, that's a hard one. So... The part of my brain that was damaged, it was what you would call the executive part of your brain. It formulates your words and your sentences. Um, so, oh, and when you have a, a brain injury, it doesn't just heal. It actually needs, it's like a traffic jam and it needs to learn to work around it. It's got to regrow. That's right. All those, That's no, right. All those no pathways have to rebuild themselves. Yep. So I actually became a, a huge introvert after the accident because of my speaking wasn't, wasn't very good. Now, at, at the time, um, we had a fair amount of people at the gym that were in Manassas City. So our we didn't know anything about you. You weren't training at my gym. Right. And um, we had never crossed paths until after the accident. Um, and at the time, we had people that you had worked with that had said, hey, we just, this thing just happened, and we're doing a fundraiser, and we want to try to help, help Heather. Um, what year was that? Uh, the, the fundraiser that yeah. you guys held? Yeah. It may have been 2014. And when did you get hit? 2000, the end of, like, the... End of 13. Yep, 2013. Okay, so by the time we met you, um, my first thought when I first saw you is that she's never going to come back. Um, you were in a wheelchair. You weren't Sorry. talking. Um, you yeah. didn't engage. Even attention looked like it was difficult to catch attention with people. And yeah. when they had said that you were struck and that the TBI and all the breaks and everything that was going on, um, we were... We were happy to be involved because just what you guys do, um, but we got to know you more as a person after that because we we played a, a small part in your rehabilitation. Small part, a huge part, uh, well, huge part. <laughs> well, the the I don't the gifts that God people gives people. I don't think you're supposed to boast those when you help people. So um, whatever we were enabled to do, I was happy and pleased that we were able to do it, and that's that's the end of that. But you were we became more associated, uh, just you with Jenny and you with the gym and you with our community. And over the years, so six years now, we have seen you just every year get better and better and sharper. And now you're fast forward, you know, you just had a baby and, Thank you. and yeah. at your age, <clears throat> cause you're how old are you now? I'll be 40 in March. So the age is already a challenge at 40 to have a child, right. but then you had to rebuild your entire body over the last six years. Yeah. All right. So We'll fast forward a little bit up to today. Now, what has what affected you? What happened other than the physical journey? What what happened with your your personal oh your relationships, gosh. your job? Where did all that stuff fall apart? Yeah, so um, I was on light duty for a while, really fighting to get back to um, to patrol, and um, unfortunately, my my doctors didn't sign off on that. Uh, they 
they found it too much of a liability and too much, uh, too many issues, too much damage was done for me to go back to the street. They expressed uh, issues with my TBI, and then they also expressed the damage done to my back. If I were to ever to get in a ground fight yeah. and body slammed or something, I could be paralyzed or, or even worse. Which, so. is, which is ironic because I know more cops that are carrying about 80 pounds too much weight. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a good thing that, you know, they're worried about your back when you got guys that'll stroke out when they jump out of the car. Right, yep. and, I, okay. and I tried to work with them, maybe go into, uh, like, background investigations or stay there and, and and they told me that wasn't an option because if they did it for me, they would have to do it for everybody. Heaven forbid you take care of your officers right. that got hurt on the job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so what did this mean to you? So now you were 14 years in law enforcement. It sounds like you really bit down on something you love. You did canine. Um, sound like you were a good cop. Just, you know, you. Yeah, hostage negotiator. Yeah. I was one of the top shooters on my squad. So where did this leave you emotionally? So they just took um, away. So, yeah. So they just took away. And, and when you leave law enforcement, um, you don't know anything else because that's what you went to school for. That's your family. That's what. And, and there's no other job like it. So uh, I hit deep depression because um, I didn't have anything else to, to go to. Yeah. Um, so I, I started drinking and uh, I would wake up in the morning and be like, shit, I don't have anything to do today. I might, I might as well have a glass of wine or, you know, make myself, you know, a screwdriver or something. Um, and so I, I did that for about a month and I hit hard and then, um, I had to pull myself out. I, I saw the road I was going down. I didn't like it. And I was like, I've got to figure out something. I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. So I literally had to pull, pull myself out and get my shit straight and be like, what am I going to do next? When was this? Uh, 2000. 15 to 16. So a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Now, so as a cop, you left and that was your identity. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. you started working I, more with the canine. So you started becoming more I did. Pr- uh, privatized. Yeah. So uh, by the grace of God, like um, the Renegade Pigs, who are um, a biker group, uh, military, military and, and police biker group, they came to me and they're like, we want to help you. We want to help you get your start again. You know, it's not fair what happened to you. They held a fundraiser at the Old Town Sports Pub, and um, they they paid for me to start my business. So they raised about $10,000, and 100% of those proceeds went to me. I didn't go to anybody else. Yeah. They went directly to me, and they paid for my dog, and they paid for me for to go for 12 weeks of school to canine school to get my dog certified. That is freaking amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. I, I talk to them all the time. I still keep in touch with them. I was just at their holiday party. They are beyond amazing because a hundred percent of their proceeds go directly to the injured officer. No kidding. And so what year did you get your business set up? About 2016. So it's only a couple years old. Yep. Now you hit obstacles with this too. Yes. So the, um, the same folks that were kind of ushering you out and without knowing the whole backstory and it, there's obviously political, there's political stuff in there. There's personal stuff in there. There's everything that influences decisions. And I've seen mm-hmm. bad decisions made because of political reasons, mm-hmm. um, where they might've kept or done or encouraged somebody to stay longer than they should have. And the same vein, there's reasons where they could have held on to somebody a little bit longer and they didn't. So, and that happens with everything. Yeah. Um, if there's a if there's an axe or if there's a personal issue or if there's a development issue or if there's a liability issue, I think if it was important to anybody, they would find a way to make it work. Right. And if it was something that's like, let's just get this off my ass. I'm tired of looking, dealing with it and everything else. They, they flush it. Yeah. So what happened with your career, and again, you were pretty freaking busted. I yeah. mean, you were busted hard. Um, but then you tried to branch off and start up your own business, but you still kind of in, um, you still encountered... 
Issues. What's the word? Obstacles. Issues. <laughs> so there was actually people working against you with having an opportunity to get your canine business off the ground. People that I had just worked with in law enforcement. So where did that leave you? So did you lost business because of this? Absolutely. Um, and you found that you were competing against your old agency in some yes. ways and they were kind of working against you. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't even know what the moral of that thing is. Um, it kind of is a testament to your character that you're still kind of moving forward. You're still, you know, I would have lost my shit and probably left the area. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> well, we moved. We did move. Because it would have felt like there was just, you know, you already come overcome a life obstacle. You've already endured probably one of the worst things someone's going to go through on the law enforcement side. I mean, and again, it's people are shot, people kill, bad things happen. But for somebody that was a good officer after that amount of time to hit that type of an injury, and it's taken you six years to get to where your full cognitive, well, mm -hmm. how much of, a, of your cognitive ability do you think is back? I would say about 80. So do you think that that would have gotten you on the force if you were here, if you were in this position two years after the accident, do you think they would have let you stay on the force? I don't know. I don't know if they would have. I think I can do it, absolutely. Yeah. But what they think versus what I think, sure. you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, so... You've endured, you've had all these obstacles, you're still plugging forward, and now let's get to what's going on here. So you came in to raise the bar, like I said, when we first met, you were in a wheelchair. Yeah, you, you guys came to me like a, um, you know, a, a fellow, I guess, a friend of ours came to me and said, hey, raise the bar wants to help you walk again. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, this is great. And so I came in in my wheelchair, and I met with you and Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I listened to you guys, and I... Um, I was nervous, but I knew I was in good hands. You guys were very compassionate, and uh, you had a very structured – you found out everything that was wrong with me, very structured. You're like, okay, we're not going to push it too hard. We're just going to take it a step at a time, and we'll see if we can get you walking again. And how and long after? I think it was probably about – I don't know. I wasn't in the wheelchair too long. I had had a couple operations, mm -hmm. but I would even come in and work out in my, like, crutches because yep. I have pictures of me coming in here with yep. the crutches. Um, and sitting down and doing some workouts there. But uh, I could only lift five pounds when I came in here. I remember that. And I couldn't run. Two years, I think it was about a, a year and a half, I was able, Jenny was working with me, <laughs> like four days, five days a week to run around this building. And uh, I remember her crying. Uh, the first day I, I ran around the building. She's a big softie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here we are today. So what is life like now? How's the business? Business is good. Um, it's actually taken off a little bit because I've incorporated uh, doing some obedience with um, civilians. Yep. If people need help with their dogs, they, um, I'll guide them in and how to fix certain problems, whether it's food aggression or people aggression, dog aggression, or just simply you want your dog to heal next to you or have them off leash. And what's the name of your business? Peace of Mind Canine. Awesome. Okay. Now you got married I about did. a year and a half ago? Yeah. Or a year and a month? How yeah. Long, how long ago were you married? Yeah. About a year, and yeah, a year and a month. I think I just saw, <laughs> I think I just saw the Facebook memory come up um, uh, recently. It was November 2018. So. Real okay, that's real close. And then we and had Declan right afterwards. Very fast, you guys. Uh, you got. You With got, the grace of God, for <laughs> you sure. Got, you got busy real quick. Now, so you got a new baby in the picture. Business is doing good. How is your fitness and your lifestyle? How how do you? Because you're at the gym. You just had the kid. When was Declan born? Uh, November. And so you. I Two weeks later, I came back. I just couldn't do squats. Every <laughs> every day, there was this ginormous pregnant lady pushing <laughs> it in our classes, like like water breaking any moment, <laughs> working, working, working. We were pushing for it. And two weeks later, you're back in the gym, 
and you've lost all your belly, you're already active Thank again, you. and now you don't even look like you were pregnant. I mean, it's one of the fastest turnarounds I'd ever seen. I appreciate that. Um, but you're crushing it. And you've really embraced the, the fitness and the lifestyle piece because it has helped you overcome um, your, okay, more your physical conditions. The, this gym has, has brought me to a whole different level. After my accident, I was in such deep depression. You guys literally pulled me out of that depression. Working out here and the family environment that is here literally pulled me out of my depression stage. Not only got me stronger and more confident in walking and lifting, but my emotional status was so much better after being here. Like this, this it, to, That's the whole reason we actually even ever opened this place. I mean, if... Jenny and I are always assessing because business is hard. And when you look at why we're doing things, especially when things get tough, and we're always like, what's the, what's the reason we're still doing this thing? And everyone has this kind of uh, introspective, reflective moment where you're like, Ugh, you know, I'm really, the people that we've come into contact with and the lives that we've been able to help along the way, yours is one that makes me think that if there was only one reason we ever actually were supposed to be here, it was to help you. So whatever, this entire thing, you know, all these people and all this time and all this energy, we were able to work with you and you were able to kind of reposition your life and now you've got a new direction, a new family and everything's really The awesome. ups and downs, you guys were a constant in my life. Um, and the ups and downs that came with losing my job, trying to start a business and then, um, you know, meeting the man, I finally meeting the man I was going to marry and have children with. Um, going through all of that, not only being a physical issue, but also, you know, mentally and emotionally challenging. This has been the one constant in my life. Um, and I don't think people understand just what an antidepressant working out is. Mm -hmm. it, it really isn't it. Um, it boosts your confidence. It, it puts you on a positive level. You stand taller. And then your jeans fit better. That's <laughs> great. Then you're sexy again. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, the, um, the brain chemistry and the body rewards you for being active and it's easy for people to get into the mindset of it's too hard. I'm too busy. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then that your body does push back by giving you depression and anxiety and stress. And then the outward effects are weight gain and, you know, bad blood pressure, bad blood sugar. I mean, there's all kinds of things that mm -hmm. are telltale signs to living poorly. Um, with all the time that you spent here and all the new people that you see, and this isn't specific just to the gym, but in general, what has been your kind of um, your mantra or what has kind of driven you to say, yeah, it's been tough. Yes, it sucks. You know, moving forward, what did you kind of build in yourself to be able to say, this is why I keep moving forward? You know, I don't know if, if, if anything was actually ever built. It's just like a sink or swim. Um, you just keep fighting. You can either stay where you are and be constant and not move yeah. and accept the, the shitty whatever hand you got for that moment or you can keep going like nobody's going to make any changes but you so you, you need to make that decision you got to dig deep and find it it's it's not easy and shit sucks sometimes yeah but you still get up and you move forward because life is a blessing um, i learned that real quick like for me to have survived that accident the ripple effect is so much bigger yeah you know the the people i've met the um you know me meeting jake leaving law enforcement and then opening my business and then by the grace of God, having a baby after, you know, they told me that I might not be able to have children that yeah. I had to look at egg donors. So 
did you think so much bigger a lot of times um especially people with pretty influential significant origin stories like what you have can you say that if i have heard sometimes and i almost thought it was bullshit but people are like if that wouldn't have happened to me I wouldn't have gotten my shit straight. You better believe it. I mean, it was, I was living my life in this direction and yeah. this was my priority and this is where I put my time and energy. And now that I'm here. Yeah. So do you think that there was a, a silver lining to yes, this whole thing? Absolutely. The silver liner started when I was 18. I got pregnant. <laughs> I was going down a bad road mm -hmm. and I got pregnant with my son, Tristan. And I was like, well, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do now? And so I got my shit straight real quick. Yeah. You know, and if it weren't for him, probably would have never been in law enforcement and would have never been down the road I am now. Um, there's definitely silver lining for uh, the accident uh, that I look at now. So, yeah, it happened. Yeah, it sucks. But I'm walking, talking, breathing. Yeah. And the gentleman that hit me was, um, I, I'm not going to say he was, but um, they, they had told me that he was in and out of um, drugs and that uh, I do know he was driving without a license and that it wasn't his vehicle. But awesome. I, I did know that also he wasn't, um, well, that, that I had heard that he wasn't in his daughter's life a whole lot. But since the accident, he spent nine months in jail and gets out. Now he works out on a regular basis. I've heard he's a father to his daughter and I've heard that he is no longer dabbles in drugs. And his no life, way. yes, and he's got like a, a, a good job, a good steady job. The ripple of effect of that day is so much bigger. Like, yeah, it happened to me, and yeah, it sucks. But now that little girl is going to grow up with a father that she may have not had. And I'm still living, breathing. And then now my offspring, and now I have a daughter, you know, it's Declan, and, and heard the ripple effect there, you know. So, yeah, when things happen to you for, for that moment, you don't understand. Uh, you you just got to push forward and, and look at the more positive things and know that, Everything happens for a reason. That's that's amazing, and I don't think many people are allowed to talk to that type of transformation unless you really struggle in life. We all we all struggle, and we all think that we have something that in our mindset is just the end of the world. Um, but when you actually see near death, that dude's life, he could have really went down a deep hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was already in bad shape, but instead he turned his life around from that's that. Right. You have a new family. You have a baby. The lady, the girl has a father. Um, they actually, you were the. You were the, pre, uh, the precursor to a law that was written, so you actually had some legislation influence as well. Yeah, so I go down to Richmond, and I'll testify as much as I can to try to get uh, no text and driving laws passed. So we're still pushing for that for Virginia, but I do join several other families. And it's really nice when you meet up with these other families because I'm the only – that I have met, I'm the only survivor. Wow. These are, these are mothers and fathers who have lost their sons and daughters to someone who is either distracted driving or texting and driving uh, officers or um, a young girl behind the wheel. Wow. Uh, so, so we're networked together, and, and we go to different states and, and testify to try to um, get these laws passed. It can no handheld for Virginia. Who coordinates that? So is there an organization that... Drive Smart. Drive Smart. Okay. Mm -hmm. So have a look at that and see if there's something that you can do... To, um, yeah, you can get updates also on, if you're on Facebook, the Team Heather page. Is that still up there? It is. I still put updates up there when we do, um, no, you know, texting, driving, and when we get together and do stuff. Did they pass a texting law? There was a, It was weak, wasn't it? So a law did get passed seven days prior to my accident. That's why they were able to charge him with texting and driving. Just a week. Yes. 
I didn't know that either. Yes. But the problem, the problem with it now is that it's really hard for law enforcement to prove that someone was texting and driving. Of course. You know, because there's so many, like, you can be on Snapchat. That's not considered texting and driving. So they could be like, oh, well, I was on Snapchat. Or playing with the radio. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we're still pushing for it. I know that there's, um, no one's going to go for this course because it's ridiculous, but when the car's in motion, the phone should shut off. I think, and the problem, and I've thought, that, I've thought about this too, but if there's passengers in the car, it's going to turn off everybody's phone. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no way to tell who's who's, but there, there's nothing that should take the driver's attention away any greater than driving. Yes. And when that kind of stuff, and that includes picking playlists on your phone. That's right. There's yeah. certain apps you can download on your phone um, that uh, you can, like, as you turn it on as soon as you start driving, and it messages people who are texting, and, hey, I'm driving, I'll text you as soon as I stop. Now, is there anything upcoming regarding texting and kids? Is, are you involved in anything locally or anything that's going to go to the heart of the bad behavior of texting? I'm not. I've been to Osborne and spoke to them about doing something like that, but... No um, one's bit off on it. N- no. Do you know statistics around here as far as text-related injuries and accidents in our area, our neck of the woods here in Northern Virginia? I know, I know it's higher than drinking and driving. <laughs> is it really? Yes. Okay. And go on my page. There's a lot of I, I post some stuff up there. The Facebook page, Team Heather. Yes. Okay. All yeah, right. my peace of mind canine is up there too, where we do confidential and private uh, narcotic detection along with obedience. Nice. You can bring a dog to your kid's room. Yeah. <laughs> find their stuff. All right. So, what's the future for you? What's next? Well, um, I'm I'm really pushing the business right now. So I I'm reaching out to uh, a lot of the private schools in Fairfax County. Uh, to do the narcotic detection. So I'm trying to get some contracts there. And then I'm also reaching out to Disney. We're negotiating. They didn't like the price too much, but they have um, ships that come into New York. No way. Yeah, and so when they come from other, they'd like to get the packages searched prior to coming back to the U.S. So I'm trying to negotiate stuff with them, but uh, last week we talked, it wasn't going so well. That's fantastic, though. So you're really reaching out. I am reaching out, yeah. So you're not just a local person. You're looking to just make an impact. Yeah. Wow. Anywhere and everywhere, yeah. Okay. I'm trying. Um, If you had uh, three pieces of um, motivation and you just meet somebody walking down the street and they're like, my life sucks. And I know you'd already said, hey, just you can either sit there and wallow in it. But what are th- if you could summarize three things, get these three things in order to help get your life back on track, what would it be? Three things get your life back in order. Well, yep. I, so I would s- definitely put um, – you need to put some meditation in your life. You, you need to um, every morning meditate, kind of um, raise your vibration, raise your positive attitude. Awesome. Um, th- things, things could be always worse. They could always be worse. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I tell my husband that he says something, and I said, "My God, do you see how blessed we are? Like we are so blessed." Um, I, I would say meditate. Uh, I would also say uh, working out is so important. It's really good for um, not only your emotional uh, status, but you know, you feel good about yourself. You look good. Things fit better. Yeah. Like. 100% working out is just uh, see with my brain injury sometimes I can't think of words yeah. but like an endor- like a endorphins yep mm-hmm. thank you that's the word sometimes I can see the word but I can't always sure, say it okay. I know it's, I struggle it's with right, that sometimes. I got you <laughs> but um, I would say working out um, 
And then uh, I'm I'm a big believer in uh, God and my and angels, man. They surround me all the time, and I I see Declan, my little daughter, staring up at the sky, and I'm like, "You're looking at all those angels, aren't you?" My God, have God in your life because He is your number one Savior. He, I, and I tell him, I tell God and angels all the time that um, I will testify to Him because He let me survive. Like, there's no reason I should be walking and talking. There's none. I know other people that get hit at 30 miles an hour that I've met along the way that that are in the hospital on breathing yeah. machines. There is absolutely zero except for the good man above. And, and for her to be born. Yeah. I mean, the odds with her were so great. But um, you got to dig deep. you got to dig deep. And, and surround yourself with positive people, man. If there's anyone negative in your life, cut that out. This life is too short. <laughs> cut it out. So Walk, and, don't, and don't spread negativity. Don't say anything negative about people because that will come back around to get you. What um, what people prioritize in life, and Jenny and I were like this, you know, when I was back in corporate and I was working for the man, you know, it was all about climbing the ladder, getting the stuff, you know, being status. But when you break down what's important in life, meditation, working out, pay attention to, to God, and then stay away from the negativity, what type of... How about the quality of life that improves? If you can just wrap your arms around those things. It's not going out and getting a master's degree. It's not driving a car that's so expensive you can't that's ever right. quit your job. Um, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with materialistic. It's got no. to do with how you wake up and how you put your head down every night. Yep. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's hard to make that time from meditation or coming to the gym. And the hardest part is getting from your house to the gym. <laughs> yep. Once you're in the gym, you're so glad you're there. And, you know, and the same thing with meditation yep. or, or church or, or how, you know, your, your spiritual outlook, however you do it. Or taking a walk in the forest. The hardest part is just getting there. But, man, once you're there, it's like, oh. You're happy you did it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Those, those, are, um, those points are amazing. Um, you're amazing. Everything you shared with, with us today is pretty freaking great. Um, I was more hoping that this would help people get to know you. So when you walk in to the class or you walk into a room and there's people there to understand that there's somebody that has been blessed right there and that they're continuing to carry on his mission and you're still able to focus on your dreams and your hopes and you were given a new lease. Yeah, right? it's absolutely. A new, it's, a new, it's a new life. Yep. You were kind of reborn yep. that nice. day. Yeah. I know I try to introduce myself to people in the gym if I see them new all the time. I, I try to go up or hear their story or why they're there, you know. <laughs> That's not many people care. Yeah, and then yeah. I, I look to see if they're, the, they're there the next day. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, it's a nice one-day streak you got going? <laughs> right. All right. Well, Heather, thank you so much. Um, Again, uh, if you go up on Facebook, we got a couple things. You've got uh, Drive Smart. That's the program that's yep. out there trying to ban texting. Yep. Um, and then Team Heather's Facebook page. Name of your business again. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Peace of mind.